Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is TL. And yes, you are now on the Frontline Stereo Podcast. Frontline is taking a new meaning, y'all. We are literally on the front line. So come talk with me. Because it's getting crazy out here, y'all. I'm literally sitting here, and as I'm getting prepared to speak with you today, my heart is heavy. I haven't done a podcast in a while. I've, I've taken a pause. I've taken this pause so I could pack up and move into a new studio. And instead of unpacking boxes and setting up this new place properly and being happy about this studio, I have to jump in front of this microphone and un- unpack the Ahmad Aubrey case. I have to make mention of Breonna Taylor's case. And most recently, I have to talk about the George Floyd case. But I don't want to spend time specifically speaking about the cases or the lack thereof when it comes to these cases, especially in George Floyd's case. I want to talk about the responses to these tragic situations. I want to discuss the reaction from the black community, a community I'm from. I once read somewhere, we have to normalize changing our opinion when presented with new information. Listen to me when I say that again. We have to normalize changing our opinion when presented with new information. So that's what I like to do today, guys. Frontline listeners, I normally do this with a professional. Today is going to be an exception. I didn't want to do this with a professional. I want to have couch conversation. I know you guys hear me talk about it all the time, and it's something to have a professional come in and and you can get them to drop the professional mask and have just regular old couch conversation, that type of conversation you have with your wife or your significant other as you're sitting on the couch talking about politics, religion, news, whatever current events that you're talking about. So as we have this couch conversation, I want to un- unpack some things. And as we unpack these things, like I said, instead of unpacking these boxes, I now got to unpack a serious conversation, jump behind this podium. But before I do that, I want to play something for you. ...of power politics here in America. The Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football, and the white liberals control this ball through tricks or tokenism, false promises of integration and civil rights. In this game of deceiving and using the American Negro, the white liberals have complete cooperation of the Negro civil rights leader, who sell our people out for a few crumbs of token recognition, token gains, token progress. Yes, that was none other than our brother Malcolm X. I don't have no feel-good music for you today to to break down the lineup. I just had a, a message from our brother Malcolm X. This message was delivered back in 1963, y'all. If there ever was a time that we should be paying attention to this message, now is it. Yes, we're in a political cycle. And yes, don't forget this is a political game. This political game is about to be played. 
using our fallen brothers and sister. And this political game that is about to be played, as our brother Malcolm X just said, we're the political football. This is, however, not a bad thing right now. I don't want you to look at this as saying, yeah, they playing with us again, TL. We find ourselves in a position to do something special right now. At least that's the way I look at it. Let me share a quick story with you. Over the holiday weekend, I had the pleasure of being a part of a, a debate. My question in this debate was to argue the negative of should everyone exercise their right to vote? As I said earlier, I wanted to have some good old couch conversation. And I've pulled in my friend and the host of the Awesome Black Dads podcast, also the moderator of said debate, to join me, but not debate. We just want to unpack both sides of that conversation. So frontline listeners, please welcome Mr. Terrell Lindsay. <laughs> What's good, frontline listeners? Thanks, thanks, TL, for bringing me on to uh, to unpack the debates. I really appreciate um, appreciate the time, man. Hey, man, look, we had this debate this, um, what was it, this past Sunday during the Memorial Day holiday weekend. Um, you, you know, my, my listeners talked about you a little bit as the moderator because they wanted you right. to, to take a little bit m- more of the neutral stance. And they said it looked like he wanted to debate. He said I did. Yeah, yeah, I guess I can see how that, um, how that probably could have came off. And I think even on social media, I was kind of hitting you back. Somebody had posted. Um, and said, you know, I was saying that I was securely in the middle, and somebody said, um, and I'm paraphrasing, they're like, um, in the middle, sir, it looks like you're uh, you're securely in the debate. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, kind of, sort of, it, it might feel that way. You know, but after going back and kind of taking a look at it, I think, or what I was attempting to do, my intent was to to clarify your point. It was not in any way trying to, to ambush, because there were opinions, and it really – um, one of the things about the debate, or this particular debate, it, it, we didn't crown a winner or a loser for the debate. It was really an opportunity to get everyday dads doing great things to to get their voice out, right, and get and, and be heard, and and also show how we can have a natural form of discourse. Somebody we can agree to disagree and learn from each other in that way, right? So, to your point, I mean, I guess I can understand how some of your listeners may have felt that way. Um, but after going back and looking at it, man, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know. No, I would have loved to, all of the debates I would have loved to have been in, right? Because I have my points. I mean, I run my own podcast show. So it's like, you know, first inkling is to kind of get in and share my opinion. So, and that was my first time moderating the debate. So, yeah. I'll, say, well, I'll take, before I'll take we get on the chin. <laughs> well, look, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. I didn't feel as though I was ambushed or, or beat up. It, I mean, it was, it may have been a little bit lopsided two against one, but I had Jack Daniels in my corner because of course you called on the holiday weekend. But when awesome black dads podcast called as, as, as my debater, um, as my competition in the debate said, you, you got to show up. So that's what I did. What I want to do is Terrell, we I, on, on the frontline podcast, the frontline stereo podcast. I like to give my listeners a little bit of couch conversations. I'm used to having a, a, a professional from some means of, some some angle of the conversation come on and I kind of pull them down into just having a regular conversation that I would have with one of my boys. So I, I, I thought it was best and fitting that with us dealing with Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, some of the things that some of these situations, these these terrible situations that have um, we find ourselves in, I thought it'd be best and fitting that I have a conversation with one of my boys. Not only did I want to have a conversation with one of my boys, we just had a debate about whether or not should we do we should we exercise our vote. And mm-hmm. as I'm sitting here thinking about some of these tragic situations, I feel like I find ourselves in a awkward position. And when I say us, I mean the black community. I feel like we can do something special right now. And while I was arguing the negative that day, I I do have a a belief in everyone shouldn't exercise their right to vote. That being not not just like the P. Diddy statement, you got to earn my vote. I do believe that. But I believe specifically the black community right now shouldn't vote. So what I wanted to do, Terrell, 
is I need help unpacking this conversation. And as you and you know, I'm I'm wavering I, because I do believe in voting. I'm a registered voter. I'm a registered Democrat. And you might hear me beat up Joe Biden or, or beat up the Democratic Party all the time. But that's because I want to see something different um, come from the black community and, and not give the just 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 give away our vote. That's our currency. I kind of said it when we were on the on the debate. I don't support either Biden or Trump. And I'm at the point where. I truly believe through through research, the black community shouldn't vote. So help me unpack this, brother. So this is what where I found myself kind of playing double dutch in the debate on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. It's the fact that, and, and I think that that was a wavering. And what I was trying to do is get some clarity there, right? Because I think in doing these podcasts and having these conversations, words are very powerful, especially in our community, right? And when you have a um, when you have a platform, we have to be very responsible about the things that we say. And so when you said, when you specifically kind of said like, all right, I think that we should withhold our vote and not vote. Like, I I think that sent mixed messages based on some of the other uh, content that you were that you were um, speaking about during that whole debate, right? And so on one hand, we were, you were talking about empowering people um, and educating people in a way that they know how and when and where to use their voice, right? And then on the other hand, it was like, nah, let's withhold it, and then let's let's use that withholding as a way of power. And I didn't necessarily see that, and that's where I, that's where I was kind of, you know, again, double dutching back and forth to kind of figure that out because I don't believe that in any case that withholding our vote is the answer, right? It, we can use our vote as the power for whoever, whatever politician that is buying for office, right? They know that they have to do something for us collectively. Right. Well, and, and the problem is, mm-hmm. is that there's a lack of unity. Right. And I think that's part of what you get. You were getting at in your debate. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and again, I, I like the fact that you said you find yourself double dutching and, and going back and forth, trying to understand that, because that's what we as a community is really we, we all are really doing. We trying to find the new way. I, I just listened to a clip um, and I want to play that clip for you. And I also want to play that clip for the frontline listeners in regards to that exact double dutch or the ability to try to find something new in bridging this gap between these the the new millennial voters and the old baby boomer voters and and just what we're looking for it's beautiful to show, number one, the contrast uh, between the older generation and the new generation of leadership. Charlemagne, uh, the God, is from South Carolina, just like Representative Jim Clyburn is from South Carolina. And it shows that uh, black Americans have every right to ask of our leaders. Uh, the party that has benefited the most from the Democrat Party uh, has been black voters. Uh, black voters have constantly saved the Democrat Party time and time again, and particularly Joe Biden. Uh, so for uh, Vice President Joe Biden, to one, uh, get, basically have a defiant attitude uh, when the questions were asked of him, number one, and then second, to have such a cavalier, um, disrespectful uh, answer to be able All to right. say, if you don't vote for me, then you are not black. And, and so what we see is that black Americans have a right to ask more from this party. It has nothing to do with supporting Trump or helping out the Trump campaign and everything to do with helping uh, black Americans and wanting more. And so I would say that those who have a problem with Charlemagne's questions and people like me that consistently ask the Democrat Party, yes, you are black, but we also consider you the weakest link uh, if you do not uh, demand more from this party. And so it is truly showing uh, where the divide is on the left. And and these questions will continue to be asked, not just of Joe Biden, but 20 Joe Bidens after him, 20 Trumps after him. There is a new generation and this new generation is leading and leading aggressively. That was a clip mm-hmm. from uh, Miss Teslin Figaro, a Fox News political pundit or political analyst. Um, she is from the black community. And here's the here's the kicker. She ran the campaign for Bernie Sanders previously. This is not okay. just her taking punches at Joe Biden. Um, the, the part of the message that I really listen to is just the differences between the old guard versus this new group of of leaders that are coming about and 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 i just want to frame this situation for the listeners um she was talking about the recent comments that joe biden made on breakfast club with charlemagne the god if you don't vote for me then you must not be black so Mm -hmm. not beating up joe biden 
but I want to, I want us to keep that top of mind right now as I start to try and unpack some of the things that I was discussing with you guys on the debate. One of the things that I, I discussed, one of the points I made when I was arguing that negative was we, by becoming more informational over emotional, we should realize that our vote is our currency and without gaining any tangible asset for our currency, why not put our efforts elsewhere? Terrell, this is where I say there is a, a ton of movements going on within our community. One faction is saying we absolutely should withhold our vote because that's our currency. We're not getting anything from it. And I tend to lean on that side of the fence. There's a couple of things I want to say. I, one, when, when we talk about, um, I, I get what you're saying when you want to be more informational than emotional, but a lot of that, uh, particularly when we're having conversations with men, like the way that that resonates and the way that that uh, comes off is different. Like, I don't know that we know that emotional intelligence is, is just as important in our decision-making as, as IQ is, right? Right. And so we just have to do a better job of understanding what it takes, understanding what our emotions are really trying to trigger us for. And so I don't want to necessarily dismiss the emotion, but I, I absolutely understand that you don't, want, you don't want to make decisions in anger and in the moment, right? And so you have to unpack it and understand how this information is coming into you so you can make a logical, sound decision after. I think that when it comes to, the, you know, the old guard, and under, it's, it's all perspective. It definitely has to do with, you know, the generation and how the older generation came up, especially in politics and how the new generation wants to wants to do things. And I'm OK with those conversations. Right. right. But what, I, what I'm not OK with is the idea of not voting and withdrawing from the process, because withdrawing from the process basically means you're you're giving your vote to the to the opposition. Right. So whatever that is. You're, you're lending your vote to that, even by not voting. Well, pause and, and here. Pause that, there. I, I, yep. I, I want to mm-hmm. inter- interject with something. Yep. The immediate response is, by not voting, we immediately lend our not voting to the other party. I was once told multiple times over by plenty of political pundits and, and professionals, and <laughs> I always call my good old Uncle Merv, and he, tell me, he tells me all the time, this is what he says, he goes, brother, it's a numbers game. I, I did a little research. Like I said, I, this is not without mm-hmm. this is this is not without research. I did a little research sure. and I, I pulled up a Pew study to look at the the trends and the the voting demographics overall. When I looked at one of the images, the trends in party affiliation among amongst these demographic groups, mm-hmm. Republican, Democrat, and Independent, I'm finding we are the most lopsided voter amongst all the ethnic ethnic groups. I'm looking at the Pew study yeah. now and there's numbers mm-hmm. that says 37 37% of of whites are voting independent, 33 are voting democrat and 26% mm-hmm. are are voting republican. Mm-hmm. Where when we look at the Hispanic group, 46% are voting republican and 44% of them are voting democrat with the remainder in um, independent for blacks, we're overwhelmingly voting Democrat at 67% and 26, 27% is voting independent where a low, low, low 3% is, is, is voting Republican. And this is where I go. We find ourselves in a, a interesting situation because if you just do those numbers on the Republican side and, and the democratic side, the, the place where we place our votes the most that 67%, we have the ability to, to affect and say, this is our currency. We're taking it back. They need that currency. And if we take it away from them, I'm not, I don't want to encourage anybody to go vote for the, the side that Trump is on. So that's why I'm not, I'm not so quick to say, yeah, yeah. hey, don't go vote Democrat. Let's go ahead and, and vote on the Republican side to get them to notice. We have to figure out a new conversation or a new language to speak to the people who are continuously, continuously placing us under this white supremacist system. And that's one way they listen. One way they listen is they pay attention to who's voting and they also pay attention to who's not voting. If we just run and give our vote to the Republican group, then they didn't do anything for it and they haven't needed it for ages. But the Democrats need it. 
if you if you do the numbers, there is when the numbers add up, there is not enough Democrats without us um, adding a, adding yeah, our, I, our population in. Right. So that definitely speaks to the power of voting. Right. And understanding what your power is. And so when you say we need a new language or a new conversation, I would challenge that and say it's not so much a new language or conversation. I think it's more consistency. Right. And clarity in that conversation. So you you'll you'll have people in our community that will there's so many varying different conversations about what it what politics really are. It's rarely do we have these conversations in our household, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. And, you know, depending on depending on the um, the generation you grew up in, I think now we're starting to have more conversations about politics and understanding the effects and how much power we have in that voting. Right. But we still aren't doing um, we still aren't having the tougher conversations in deciding what is best for our community as opposed to what's best for the individual today, meaning this vote may not be for your greater good, but it may be for the greater good of the community. And then tomorrow, when you cast your vote right in the next election, then maybe that vote will lean towards you. But as a community, we're only as strong as our weakest link. And so we have to find ways that we can continuously have this conversation and be okay with making some sacrifices for the greater good of the, uh, of the community. But that's right? why I have my um, biggest problem. And those problem. numbers are important. But yeah, but that's yeah, where I have my biggest problem. You're saying, let's go ahead mm -hmm. and vote for the, for the, the betterment of the community. But what I see us doing yeah. as, as a community is I, I use this horrible example um, that I'm probably going to almost use again. <laughs> Um, on my show, because I, I, I'm not I'm not with Jack Daniels today. <laughs> um, I <laughs> right. I see us running in and just voting Democrat, which is giving them no sense of urgency to do anything when it comes to an agenda specifically tailored for the black community, which means we're giving them our money and they're not even campaigning for it. We're just automatically giving right, over. So that. That's what we've done historically. That's from where we come yeah, from in Chicago. They call that pimping. I, I I know I, point, but, I I can but, pro, I can put it but, I can put it the right way now, it's pimping. Yeah, I've never but, seen. <laughs> uh, you gonna let me get this out? <laughs> I've never seen no, a hooker go to their pimp and then say and and tell them, I'm gonna go out here and do what you need me to do, daddy, and then come to, for them and say, but can you do this for me? No, you need to say if I go do this, daddy, then you need to do this for me. We're putting the cart before the horse. I don't get why we do that. That's why I'm such on the fence, or as you call, or as you say, I'm playing double dutch with the situation. I'm in and out. Right, right. Yeah. So you have to. So this is where this is where, um, and it's tough, right? Because we're on the inside. This is where a little bit of empathy comes in, right? Because one of the key things that you said was historically, right? And we all know how hard it is to change just a regular habit, right? If somebody woke, if, if, if your mom came in now and looked at you and said, hey, and, and saw you brushing your teeth, and right. she said, son, you're brushing your teeth the wrong way, but you've been doing it for, for 30 years that way. When she tells you and explains to you that it's the wrong way, do you think that you're going to make the adjustment right then and there? Or is it going to take a, a, some time, calculated time and focus for you to begin to make to change the right way, right? So what happens is, and what I mean by this, is that we don't have enough empathy and understanding that there are people in our communities at varying different different levels of understanding and knowledge, right? And when right. somebody doesn't get it, um, and when somebody doesn't get something, we're like, oh, you, you just don't get it. And we walk away and we, you know, and then we have these other, excuse me, siloed conversations and we don't include them. And then they have their own mindset. Um, and so we haven't figured out the collective unity situation so we, so that we can come together, right, and figure out what it is we're coming together for, right? And so I can't sit here and say that somebody that voted Democrat, that they aren't voting with, with their best interests at heart. We have varying different communities. Where you live in Florida right now is different from where I live in, in Chicago. And the other thing when it comes to voting specifically, what we also have to stop doing is we have to stop having conversations around presidential uh, when it's time to vote in a president, right? Right, and that's the that's another big thing. We're so we're so enamored by this presidency and all the media behind it, like we forget that there are other local 
um, state and local governments that really drives the things that, that hit home for us, right? And not a lot of us can say and talk, talk, speak to our aldermen or the judges that sit on the seats, right? We're not having those conversations. We're just talking about um, presidency, yeah, and, uh, which is still important. But, you know, I mean, you get it. And you're pulling in two, you're pulling in two additional problems that I see with the, the lack of information in the black community. There, there, you said something about geographical location. I've stated this before that I've learned so much coming, being a kid growing up in Chicago and an adult in Chicago and experienced voting cycles in Chicago, Illinois, and then moving to Florida where things are, are a bit different and, and things that you would normally be adamant about voting in Illinois is not necessarily true in, in Florida. Ge- geographical location matters for for where we for how we vote within this two-party system i still don't understand how we can be so overwhelmingly blue or a democrat when we have different ills and different things that come from our simple geographical location and the other piece that you brought up is these local elections we we continue to be enamored and and not with the presidency and not understand that the state and local elections that kind of drives that whole game that I hate playing that we all hate playing in the electoral college. What do you think the electorates come from? They come from the house of representatives and the Senate seats. That's how you, you, you gain the electorates. And I don't think we've had anybody that energizes us um, from a local or state standpoint, because in the black community, we continue to put the wrong people in the seat. And when I say wrong people, I'm not just generally I'm not just going to single out a, a, a person in, in, in government. Now, what I want to do is single out when I say the wrong people. I mean, the wrong types of people. We can't keep putting pastors in seats, expecting them to do the jobs of lawyers, because that's what these people do. They create policies that long outlast, long outlast. Yeah. They create policy mm-hmm. that long outlasts any president and these policies that mm-hmm. they create, those, these are, these are laws that they're essentially put in place and who, who, who defends and, 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 and prosecutes laws, lawyers, people, right? people in business. We can't keep putting our pastors up there, expecting them to tell us the truth in church and then lie away from the pulpit because that's what it really kind of takes in, in government to do. You have, you have to put your game face on and be willing to, to share and create things. And, and, and for the past X amount of years, can we name anybody that we put in government that has created a policy that's literally directed for us? And I'm not talking about somebody who signed their name to a policy. I'm talking about someone who's created a policy for us. Mm-hmm. We keep going yeah, I, down that same I, road. That's where that's where I talk about that tangible item. Our vote is should should net us something tangible. T. That's where I'm having my issue at. Where's my tangible yeah, I, item? I mean, it should it should right. And so what the the problem is is that you know you 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 try to win as many battles as you can leading up to the war, right? And so one of the things that you that we're having a conversation that I believe or what I hear you saying in terms of being you know wavering back and forth is that now we're in a situation we'll we'll speak just to the president the presidency at this point right we're, we're at a point where you don't like you don't like either side and Neither. so it's like if i don't like either side then i'm going to withhold then i'm going to withhold my vote and then that and i'm not suggesting that's that's what you you're saying you're going to do you oh as you can put it on here frontline listeners listen to your boy tl yeah. he is not voting for either one of these cats <laughs> i don't want to vote for <laughs> right. either one of so, these cats so in that so in that situation, um, you are effectively doesn't matter for you. So you're casting a vote in a in a way because you've already said that our power, we're, we're black people are putting their power towards the Democrat Democratic Party and, and haven't so gotten a thing from them. If, right. And so and yeah, we haven't gotten as much as we would want back from that. Right. And that's an entirely different conversation. Well, not entirely, but it's a different conversation. If you withdraw your name from that pool then what's on the other side, that basically gives them a bit more edge, right? So if you're not happy with the Democratic Party, right, and right. you're using your analogy, taking your ball and going home, it doesn't mean that they're gonna that everybody else on the basketball court is going to leave the court. Everybody else is not going home. I guarantee they're going to find somebody else with a basketball and continue playing, right? Agreed. And so what we have to do is that we still have, even though, 
the system, it, it fails us, right? It fails us. There's a lot of things that fail us in life, man. We, we failed people just in general, and we've asked for forgiveness, right? Um, and so we kind of, you have to kind of keep playing the game and keep pushing the conversation forward in a way that we can begin to enact some change. So that's the only way that you're going to be able to do it. We have to educate people about their thought process as it pertains to to voting and understanding who you're voting for, right? Because then what happens if me and you are having a conversation about policy and politics and this judge, let's say you had an issue. I'll say that I'll say I had an issue uh, with the, with a certain judge. And then I have that conversation with you. Now what's happening is you're going home to your wife and like, yo, Terrell had a, had an issue with uh, such and such judge. Let's keep that in mind when we get ready to, when, when voting comes around. Right. And we're looking at all the things you, this, this stuff is public record. So you can look at what these politicians are doing over the course of their careers. And so if we stop straying away from quote unquote political conversations in our households, in our barbershops, in uh, Jack Daniel conversations, right? <laughs> it becomes okay. a bit more norm and and we will get better with time because historically we just have not, as a community, been good been good with that, right? And so now we're just like we want people to do things for us without us doing collectively doing the work to meet them to get where they are, right? To force them to do it. I think that I wish I had that clip from um from P. Diddy's um Revolt Summit when um Killer Mike stood up and he stopped everybody on the crowd. And I'm sure you've seen oh, you've absolutely. seen that. I've seen he was talking clip. about the black agenda, right? That is absolutely one hundred percent now how it gets done, I don't know. Right? right. He's absolutely one hundred percent right about how all of that of that works. And the education starts with us individuals. It does. It does. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and so when you saw me going back and forth with you in the debate, it was just like it. What was pulling at me was was the language in terms of like, OK, so you're saying if we withhold our currency, that is going to give us more power. And that's what I categorically kind of disagreed with. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that withholding withholding our that currency does not give you the power. And, and in your analogy, you were saying if there's a restaurant in the community and we stop going and we don't spend our money there. Right. You have to be if if you're a regular customer to that restaurant and they know your face and then you stop showing up for a particular reason, it hurts because you know what comes with that? You, your friends, your family, that that money stops with them with with you, too. So the buck stops there. Right. So so we want to be we absolutely want to be deliberate in the way in our actions when it comes to our currency in any fashion, financial, voting, whatever that is, be deliberate and understand what it is that we're doing. And and I, I can't help but notice how I feel like you kind of, you kind of, you're driving your point, but you're also driving my point home. Cause and, what's, and, and so I'm clear. What is that? What is that point? What is, what is the point for the, your listeners? And for me, what is that point? That point for me is us. When you say the buck stops with me at that restaurant, and they know I've been a regular customer and I've bought additional customers there. That's, that's essentially the black community to the democratic party. We've been loyal. They know our face. They, they don't even make special meals for us anymore. Go out of their way to create a loyalty program in in order for us to continue to patronize that restaurant. But the buck has to stop. And when the buck stops, my friends stop going, my family stop going, and the word of mouth has to get out about what we should do or where we should go. And I think that's where my conversation is. It's really about what's the reaction. I, I, I said earlier on the podcast that we have to normalize changing our opinion when presented with new information. There's so much, there's so much information on why we shouldn't be voting Democrat anymore. I, quite frankly, I think we should, as, as a black community, be independent. And as independents, they should have to swing where we go. And unfortunately, that means the Democratic Party has to work harder. What that also means for our current cycle, specifically for our current cycle, that means, yeah, threaten them with another four years of Trump. 
because if we sit out and don't vote, that's what we get. And personally, who are you threat? I mean, who are you threatening with that though? Like the so Democratic when Party. When I say, I mean, right, I mean the Democratic Party because all those more people. More than the Democratic Party. No, no. How's it going to affect us more? How's it going to affect us more? We've been living in a we've been living in a situation where we we we're we're disenfranchised anyway. We don't have access to health care. We were over overwhelmingly overwhelmingly um, affected by policies created in the in the mass incarceration system. Even Michelle Alexander has a whole book about it. I, I, I want people to go read it. The new Jim Crow. That, that, that's the mass incarceration system. And and speaking of that mass incarceration system, hey, look at this. I got I got a whole little 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 Every little major crime bill sound bite. since 1976. Every minor crime bill has had the name of the Democratic senator from the state of Delaware, Joe Biden, on that bill. So the person who's affected us the most, <laughs> we're literally saying, let's go vote for him. And again, that makes me say, we have to normalize changing our opinion when provided new information. This is the guy that we're saying, let's go vote for. I don't know how to do that right now. Right. I, I, I understand. But when, but when we're in a situation where there, where there are only, you're, you're in a situation where you have to choose, right? If you're in the system and you're voting, right? And your voting is power one way or another, Right. And you have to make a choice. I'm not saying that in, that that Joe Biden is pristine, right? But we it does not discount the fact that we are where we are, right? And I think what Charlemagne the God was was trying to do was explain to Biden, like, hold on, bro, like I don't think that you just you just got us because things are bad over here. You know, you can you can use the analogy like you're in a bad relationship and you leave that bad relationship and you meet somebody else that knows about the bad relationship. And they think they only have to be so much better, right? Just a little bit better to, to satisfy you. And that's, and that's what we need to get over. Like people just, politicians should just walk in our lives and say, he was so bad. Then, you know, your best bet is with me. Like, no, yeah, like, that's you what can't they give us right now. Though, right? We need, we need you. We need you to be thinking about us as well. And I need to hear that. Right. I'm not, I'm not asking you to lie to us, but I need you to be, I, I need you to be thinking about, what it is that you're asking, because you're asking for my currency, to use your, your term, you're asking for my currency, so what is the product that you're selling? Because that's what it is. Yeah, what's you're the tangible asset? So as a, what, are, what are you selling me? What are you saying that, that, that you're going to give me? So if you get elected, I can hold you to the, I can hold you to the fence about what you said you were going to do. And we can go back and forth about whether or not you're going to do that once you're in, but I'm not going to close my eyes and just wish that you do something better for me. And that's what we're lacking. We are lacking a clear understanding as a group collectively, not individually, not individually. I think people individually have a clear understanding of, of, of what they want out of their lives and what they believe makes them successful um, and feel good about living in, in air quotes, free America. Um, you have to collectively, what is for the greater good of us? And what can you speak to? Is it too low? Right? Is right. it canceling student loans? Can you tell us that? Right? If you're gonna, do, if you're talking about doing that, well, tell me more. I might be leaning towards giving you my, giving you my currency because of that. So, Joe Biden, it's what we should be having a conversation about is not making this an easy cakewalk for anybody going against um, Donald Trump. And in that case, in this case, it's Joe Biden. Right? And and then that's you're my just question. Just not gonna again. walk in the door and smile. Right. But then, cool. but then that's cool my question. Here. What's the what's the threat? What what is it that he has to worry about? Say, say he's say that's not his agenda. That's not what he wants to mm -hmm. talk about. He wants to continue right. creating policy that puts um, a majority of black and brown men in jail and continue to sign bills like that that overwhelmingly affect us. Let's say he wants to go go that route. What's the what's mm -hmm. what's the, what's, the, what's what's your answer? What 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 would be your response to that? Oh, we would have if, if I'm having a conversation with him, and if I'm I would be very uh, divisive about that if he's planning if his plan is to if he's talking to me and his plan is talking about continuing to put um crime bills or, or things or policy similar to that um in effect then yeah we're gonna have we're definitely gonna have a very very big problem right right um, i don't think that he said anything to that nature we are we're absolutely judging him on, judging him on something 
that he has done um, or been a part of in the past. Yeah, um, he got a very with, long resume though. He got a he got a policy resume, and it is all. So does Donald, but so does Donald Trump though. So, no, I mean not he even don't. policies. Though. That's our problem. He don't I mean, have a yeah. resume. He does. I mean, not Donald a, Trump he doesn't have a political out, resume. Took an ad out. Donald Trump took an ad out in the paper trying to get, um, trying to get New York City to reinstate the death penalty to kill five black young boys that were innocent, and they knew he was. They were innocent, right? See, that, see so that's emotion that again, of though. Malice. Yeah, that um, is that is malice. But that's a, that that level of emotion is that's something emotional that doesn't have to do no, with no. the policies that's created. That is factual. That is factual. TL. It's fact. It's, yeah, fact I, of what he did. It, it is, is absolutely fact when it comes to the Central Park Five conversation. But now that he's right. president and he has the ability to affect us by having his administration create policies. Okay, let's say he, he want to reinstate the death penalty now. He really can do it now. Mm-hmm. Like he just yeah, like Obama I, closed down Rikers Island when the Khalif Browder story came out and he's seen how many people mm-hmm. were were in um solitary confinement at, 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 a, at a young age and he closed that down yeah. that's some, that's him having the ability to truly affect something right now trump has the ability mm-hmm. affect to affect that right now and while it might sound like i'm defending him which i'm not he hasn't done it but what we do have is policies coming from the other side that has truly affected us and we try to just throw on the Oh, Trump did this when he was renting. Oh, Trump did that with the Central Park Five. Well, Joe did this with Anita Anita Hill during the Clarence Thomas um, trial. Joe created, as I said, every major every major crime bill since 1976. This is his worst. This is him. Has had the name of the Democratic senator from the state of Delaware, Joe Biden, on that bill. That's Joe Biden, man. I can't change that. That's him talking. And I am and I am not I am not saying redact that from his resume. Right. Okay. I'm saying look at it. Look at all of this in all of its color. Right. Look at everything. Look at what Trump is doing with with his time in office. Right. Take these things, um, compare them. Right. And even in that, as we're comparing these things and I am I, I am almost certain that 99 percent of the politicians that are that that are still that still have a career have done things that they that they can regret right and so i and i'm not i am not advocating for for joe at at this particular point in time i'm just saying that you you lay all those things out on the table man but at the end of the day there is a choice to be made right so there's vote there's don't vote there's vote and don't vote right you got it and and to not vote not and to not vote um like you you're the chances of getting the greater evil in that situation rises as opposed to the lesser evil. And I know we don't want to have a conversation about. The, <laughs> I'll say, the, I'll the say they go that old Negro evils. spiritual. Right, right. So that the lesser of two evils, but we've all been in situations in just in life where life has handed us a situation where we've had to make, and I'm sure you can speak to a ton where life has handed you um, something where there was in right in your right hand, there was a bad choice. In your left hand, there was a worse choice. And you had to choose the bad choice and hope for the best, right? But you didn't bow out of life. You didn't slit your wrist and say, I'm done with it. You're going to make your choice. You're going to ride it out, and you're going to try to not – you're going to try to have a better uh, – put yourself in a better situation to have a better opportunity that, that if in your left hand you have a worse choice, you want a better choice in your right hand, right? And so we have to continue to play the game. We cannot bow out gracefully. Uh, we and it's not graceful. We cannot bow out. Um, voice your opinion. Be a part of. Be a part of it. Voice your opinion, and keep moving. Learn and then teach. Teach your people that are with you because we have these platforms. Social media has allowed everybody to have a louder voice, right? And right. unfortunately, there's a lot. There's a lot, a lot of loud ignorance, right? And so we have to be mindful about balancing out that ignorance, right? Whatever that is, and having. Um, really good conversations and discourse so that we can find our middle. We just can't, it, it's hard to do. Well, I, historically, black people have had problems with that. Well, I hope 
through this discourse of conversation because I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not convinced. I know yeah. I ain't convinced you, and that's sure. that's that's not what I'm looking to do. I'm not yeah. looking to convince you to vote otherwise right. or not vote. That's what TL is going right. to do. TL is not voting for either one, Biden or Trump. And I'm, I, I feel like I'm going to withhold my currency. I, look, real. I don't want to. I don't want to. One question. You sure can. One question. So. Are you more comfortable with withholding your vote because you're because you've seen four years of Trump, right? You've seen you, you feel like you've seen what Trump is giving, and it's, and while you you have some issues with it, um, with with his presidency, you're like four more years is meh. Um, so I can so I can withhold my vote because I got real problems with Biden. So I'm okay with you know there's four more years I can. You know, I can stick it to to the Democratic Party by letting letting um, uh, President Trump stay, right? Stick it to them and, and make them feel it. For me, it's not really about me on President Trump or oh my gosh, I can't believe it's old ass Joe Biden because um, it's two old ass white men fighting over the ideology of how to control white supremacy in my face, in my mind. So, for me to answer your question, it's really about speaking a different language and grouping my non-voting with that 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 faction who's not going to vote. And I'm not talking about the people who just regularly don't regularly don't register and don't vote or register and don't vote. I'm talking about a a movement and faction of people that is specifically withholding their vote to send a message and voice their opinion while withholding their vote. That faction of people are doing it because the language says they pay attention who votes and who doesn't vote and every voting cycle, whether that be state and local or the presidential candidacy, they always have to look for what group they have to energize in order to make the quest at, at gaining the proper amount of electorates to vote. We need to understand the electorate co electoral college because this ain't like our state election where our game is, is the popular vote. Barack Obama won, not because black people voted, because he understood the game on how to collect the proper electorates and get red states to turn blue. Same thing for Donald Trump, whether you want to hear it or not. He understood the game and understanding how to turn those same blue states that Obama turned blue. He, he learned how to turn them red, back red and, and gain a few additional ones red because he energized a different base. So I want to be a part of the faction that has not been voting so they can come after me and seek my currency for something tangible. And it, until we all get on that same page of what's tangible or not, I, I look at it as pulling you guys in our direction because eventually you're going to need us to vote too. And with you, with people who, who are continuing to vote in the way they they've historically voted, eventually you guys are going to need us to vote, which makes, our voice and our opinion and our agenda just that more important. Sure. Just so you know, you're holding your own people hostage with that, with, with that strategy. We I, look, man, we've been held hostage for a long time. Look, I we can go back and forth on this all, all day, which we have Absolutely. again, like I said, we, I'm not yeah, trying to yeah. convince you today. You're not trying to convince me today. Yeah. I just want to hear, I just wanted people to hear a, a true open dialogue that is not a debate. You have a side, I have a side, Absolutely. and we, we, we really meet somewhere in the middle. So we, just like you said, we, we have to find that happy medium and happy medium. I mean, the happy medium and happy middle. So Terrell, I just, I just want to um, give you the opportunity to go ahead and, and again, tell people how they can find you on social media. Um, tell them a little bit about the Awesome Black Dads podcast. And, and from literally, thank you for allowing me to be a part of your show and your debate. And I just want to thank you for returning that favor and coming on my show and, and, and giving the frontline listeners an opportunity to have this type of dialogue today. Hand claps all around, man. Uh, TL, I really appreciate you, um, you know, circling back, man, so we can, you know, we share a platform. So that's, uh, that's great. And we need to do, we need to definitely do more of that. I, I, I'm glad that you are uh, taking this route and using your voice to, to empower, right? And so I, I definitely appreciate you uh, having me on. You can find me at Awesome Black Dads on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And actually on Twitter, it's Awesome Black Dad, at Awesome Black Dad. 
And so the, the Awesome Black Dad movement started just as a narrative, right, to change the narrative about, you know, stereotypical of what people thought about black fathers, right, and them not being around or available. And that conversation is still being had. So who better to tell those stories and share those stories than, than somebody who's in it, the people that I know, the guys that I know, the black fathers that I know, they're, they're working really hard to be a part of their kids' lives, right, whether they're married or whether they're, they're not with um, the mother of their child they're still working very hard to be a part and raise really good kids um, to be great people in this world. So I wanted to be a part of that in a positive way. And so that's why I established Awesome Black Dads because that's what it is. Man, that's something that we all can appreciate. I know we're going to have to, I'm going to have to have this conversation eventually one day, but I, I want to bring you back when I have that conversation. Cause I know I, um, mm-hmm. I did, we, we did a piece on your um, on awesome black dads that talked about the the dad that doesn't get to see his kids and i i'm not ready to have that conversation yet but when i do i'm hoping you can um come on back with me and and have that conversation with me about some of these dads that um have a battle to fight i definitely would like to charge the awesome black dads community and and you as the host to to take a a a um a proactive stance for fighting Mm -hmm and assisting in the fighting of those dads that are dealing with that situation. But Terrell, I can't say how much I appreciate you, brother. And again, thank you for coming on and providing this for the frontline um, listeners for me today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, Terrell, that was a good one, man. But it's that time of the show where it's time to kind of wrap things up. I appreciate you guys for, listening as usual but i want to leave you with this every major crime bill since 1976 every minor crime bill has had the name of the democratic senator from the state of delaware joe biden on that bill i keep saying this y'all said it a few times throughout this show we have to start normalizing the changing of our opinion when presented with new information. Hey, look, this George Floyd thing ain't no joke. If you believe that cop acted within his rights and that wasn't a murder, don't ever listen to the front line again. I'm okay with that. I don't need people like you listening. If you're looking for ways to punch holes into the Ahmaud Aubrey case, which I'm going to have a conversation about. I got a special guest lined up for that one. If you're looking to punch holes in that case, you don't have to ever listen to the Frontline Stereo Podcast again. I'm saying our vote is our currency. And with that currency, we should get something tangible. A tangible asset should be received for our currency. You guys have been listening to me for a while, so you know where I sit. These conversations have to be had. They have to be had in our communities. And if you're not one of those people who have political conversations, get you some new friends. Up your level in your circle. Have these conversations in your community so that we can better prepare ourselves for these policies that they're creating that allow cops to sit on our necks for eight minutes long with no repercussion. Everybody, I'd like to thank you. Everybody, I'd like to thank you for listening to the Frontline Stereo Podcast. You can now back up off the front line.